This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Jeff T from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey everyone, welcome into the first ever episode of the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I am joined by my guy, Ray Garvin. Ray, on a scale from 1 to 10, how excited are you that we get to do this podcast together, man? I'm just upset that you are only limiting me to 10, man. I'm, I am so <laughs> pumped. I am stoked. We've been texting about this show for it feels like a month now. But, man, I'm, I'm so freaking excited and humbled and honored to do this with Fantasy Pros and to do this with you, man. I am, I am ready. So am I, man. Uh, hey, for those who are listening, you can find Ray on Twitter at RayGQ. That's Q-U-E. And I can be found on Twitter as well at KyleYNFL. With this being the first ever episode of the Dynasty Podcast, I know we're going to have people tuning in uh, that ha- that may have never interacted with us before, or they may know your work, Ray, but don't know me or vice versa. So I wanted to take this opportunity just to introduce ourselves and give a little bit of a background into our work. So Again, my name is Kyle Yates. I'm a full-time fantasy analyst at Fantasy Pros, and you can hear me on our main podcast, the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I've been writing in the fantasy football space only since 2018. I was writing for a small Chicago sports-based website and handling their fantasy football content uh, just because I love doing it, and then joined the writing team over at the Fantasy Footballers for the 2019 season, handling their dynasty content. And I then came on and joined the Fantasy Pros team in a full-time capacity in January of 2020. I, you, If you've paid attention to the Fantasy Pros you know, podcast or the YouTube channel or whatever, you've heard me on waiver wire live streams and I do fantasy projections in season and all this, but my passion is in Dynasty. This is my sweet spot. So to be able to get with Ray Garvin here and talk about Dynasty, what I believe, I said it in the intro episode, what I believe to be the best form of fantasy football I'm psyched. I'm so, so excited. Uh, Additionally, I am married, coming up on five amazing years (laughs) with my wife, Jessica, and we have a two and a half year old son. So if Ray and I ever just break out into like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song or something like that, we're both dads of young kids. It's normal. (laughs) Ray, you want to introduce yourself here too? 
Yeah, man. Ray Garvin, I have been in the fantasy space now coming up on two years. So I started out in 2019, did some writing with the Dynasty Nerds and then transitioned to writing with DLF. And I just have a passion for being behind the camera, being on the mic, talking, doing video work. Um, so I created my own kind of podcast, my own sort of network, uh, Destination Devi. I am a former college football player. I played uh, in college at uh, Shadron State College. I was actually a part of the same recruiting class as Danny Woodhead. A lot of you guys listening remember Danny Woodhead, especially those of you who participate in PPR leagues. So played college football for a couple of years. Um, I'm an attorney by trade, so this is not my full-time job, but I have a passion for fantasy football, a passion for sports. And to you, just like you, Kyle, I think Dynasty is the best format, the best sort of way to to play fantasy football and, you know, to, to be able to do this uh, with you again with fantasy pros and share some of my insights. A lot of my fantasy football analysis comes through the lens of somebody that was able to play the game. You know, granted, it wasn't at the NFL or Division One level, but I I do feel that I have some knowledge of, of how uh, players should move, you know, things to look for when you're talking about certain collegiate prospects. Uh, I'm a father as well. I've got two boys, Ridge and Ryland. I've been married now coming up on five years myself. So just like Kyle said, if you hear the Mickey Mouse theme song or the Gummy Bear song <laughs> or Moana, listen, man, just just roll with us. Just vibe with us, baby. It's just it's that father dad life, man. Dad life, there's nothing like it. Well, hey, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to run through the show outline here just so everyone kind of has an idea of what to expect. And then let's just get right into it, man. So we've got some news that we're going to break down. Again, all of this is going to be broken down from a dynasty angle, right? We're going to be talking about this and the impact of it from a dynasty perspective. And then we're going to be talking about a dynasty intro here, right? Because I get this question on Twitter all the time. Like, I'm looking to get into dynasty. I'm looking to figure out what it's all about. And we're going to take our first ever episode here and we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about what is Dynasty, what settings we prefer, how to value draft picks. And if you've played Dynasty, you've played Dynasty for like 10 years or whatever like that, don't tune out. Don't skip all the way to the end or whatever. We're going to break down a little bit more in depth and talk about some things that we've learned along the way and some tips and tricks too. So uh, we'll talk about that. And then we have a huge listener mailbag, which we'll get to. So uh, before we get into all of that, though, I do want to make just one request of you as you are listening. Please take 30 seconds out of your day to rate and review this podcast. The support we've seen already has just been absolutely incredible. But this is a huge way that you can let Ray and I know that you're enjoying the show or even that you appreciate that Fantasy Pros is branching out and doing a Dynasty podcast. Again, just a quick review would be greatly appreciated. Right. A week ago, we saw the Rams and the Lions make a big trade, and that was to send Matthew Stafford from Detroit over to the Los Angeles Rams. We saw in return Jared Goff plus a couple of first round picks make their way back to Detroit. So let's talk about this from a dynasty perspective, particularly with the quarterbacks. We'll break down the other skill players here in a second. But let me just get your opinions here on Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff and what the dynasty impact is from this trade. Yeah. Big time move, the first sort of big move of the offseason, and I think it's a fantastic move. And I'm going to say this, and I know a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy, but I think it was a great move for both teams. Uh, I think it was a great move for Matthew Stafford. You know, the Rams have a very short window. They are trying to win now, and you put Matthew Stafford on a team that does have a young ascending running back in Cam Akers. They, they do have a tight end in Tyler Higby, two established wide receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and an offensive uh, sort of 
play caller, offensive creator, uh, the mastermind of Sean McVay, a quarterback that is deadly accurate, that has a cannon of an arm, that is not afraid to push the ball downfield, and that can win you games. Jared Goff was never winning you games. Matthew Stafford can help win you football games. So I think from a dynasty perspective, although Matthew Stafford is a little bit older, right? And we'll talk about that as the show progresses, how we want to chase youth. And that's a big sort of staple of dynasty is youth, youth, youth. Matthew Stafford is a quarterback that, that will help a lot of teams achieve that fantasy football championship in 2021. And then from the Lions side, right? You're, you're looking at what Matthew Stafford does, the pieces that the Detroit Lions have right now, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. We'll see what happens with Kenny Galladay. But I do think this is a decent spot for him. Maybe not for the long term, but for this year. I mean, you've got, listen, you want quarterbacks that are going to start in Dynasty and fantasy football. And Jared Goff is going to be the starter in Detroit. We don't know for how long. So I think we can talk about, you know, how long he holds this value. But right now, you know, you still have a starting quarterback in Jared Goff. And I'm telling you, that is that is critical, especially for those of us who play in two quarterback and super flex leagues. For sure. And you talked about Matthew Stafford a little bit older, but it's not like he's at the same level of a Ben Roethlisberger or right. Matt Ryan, right? Like he's still only 32 years old. He right. seems a lot older because he's been in the league for a long time and he's got, you know, an injury history or whatever, but he battles through it like no other quarterback in the NFL. So Stafford's still only 32 years old. If And we're going to talk about this as far as the window that you play dynasty, as far as like a two to three year window. Again, we'll break that down in just a little bit, but Stafford can still be a very, very effective dynasty quarterback for you for the next, for the foreseeable future. And especially if you are, especially in this offense and let's, let's pivot now and talk about the skill players here for Los Angeles. Now for me, particularly with Robert Woods, Cooper cup, it doesn't really move the needle a ton. It's an upgrade for sure, because I do believe that Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. But yet, so it's an upgrade, but yet it's not going to be to the point where I think they're now suddenly top five options in Dynasty, right? right? Like they're right. a little bit older here. I think they're still going to be incredibly safe options, ones that you can rely on. But yet, at the same time, I don't think that this moves them and you know causes them to jump up into the top ten or anything like that. Do you do you agree? No, no, no. They, it, it should not move the needle that much. If anything. I do think it gives them a little boost, not into the top 12, not into the top five. But uh, I think had Jared Goff returned, we would just be looking at them as sort of just like ah, kind of safe plays. But I do think they have a little more upside now with Matthew Stafford. Again, we're not pushing them into the top 10, the top 15. But I do believe that there is a little more upside because Matthew Stafford is not afraid to push the ball downfield. He's got a stronger arm. He's more accurate. And I think Sean McVay is going to trust Stafford to do a little bit more. So while I'm not elevating those guys like super high, I do think it's a little bit of a boost to their stock. Like I'm more, I guess I'll say it like this, Kyle. I'm a little more intrigued this week than I was a couple of weeks ago about those two players. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a perfectly fair way to to phrase it. Now let's talk about Cam Akers because we saw Cam Akers completely step in and shoulder, what, 30 carries towards the end of the season, right? Like he was the main focal point of this offense. And I think part of it, now that we know, right, like hindsight is 20-20, we can say that it could be because Sean McVay just didn't want to give Jared Goff the ball. He didn't want to rely on Jared Goff at this point. He didn't think that he was the long-term answer. So why not give a talented running back you know, 30 carries or whatever moving into next season and beyond with Matthew Stafford now in the fold. I don't know if we're going to see that type of workload here 
for Cam Akers. Now, I do think that Stafford elevates this offense. So, so the scoring opportunities certainly can be there. But yet, at the same time, I don't think that we're going to see the type of workload that we saw from Cam Akers in 2021. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. I just, I think this was a, I, I don't know how to say it, but I think this was just a solid move for all the Rams skill position players, right? If anything, with golf coming back, we may have looked at them, maybe it's kind of a downgrade, right? Especially the pass catchers, right? And maybe Cam Akers, we would have elevated him a little bit more. But I think with this transition from golf to Stafford, I think that it gives us some comfort in those skill position players. And although I do not believe Akers is going to tote the rock 30 plus times a game, um, there may be, like you said, increased scoring opportunities and potentially some lighter fronts because the defenses have to account for the arm of Matthew Stafford. Yep, completely agree. The only other one that I'll mention here as far as Rams skill players, just to keep an eye on, is Tyler Higby, the tight yeah. end heading into next season. Gerald Everett's supposed to be leaving in free agency. So if that does happen, you're going to see Bryson Hopkins, who I did like coming out of Purdue uh, off the top of my head. I think that was where he played. Yeah, uh, yeah, Bryson Purdue. Hopkins. Okay, perfect. So uh, him stepping in as the tight end too, I did like his tape coming out, but yeah, he's not going to be a huge, huge factor here. So if this offense does see an upgrade here with Matthew Stafford, Tyler Higley could be a guy that you target late. Is there anyone else on the Rams that you want to talk about before we move over to the Lions? Nah, nah. I mean, I know some people are going to ask about Van Jefferson, and just because this is Dynasty, we will. I'll just bring up Van Jefferson. Um, I, I think there are reports that Josh Reynolds isn't coming back. You already said that that Gerald Everett won't be back. So I do think, while I'm not the highest and I'm not the most bullish on a Van Jefferson, I do think for Dynasty purposes, he is still a player that you need to roster. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you can get him super cheap, he's worth a speculative ad, but I don't think that he's going to necessarily ascend to be, you know, a top 30 option or anything like that. So let's talk about the Lions. This is a weird situation, man, because the only wide receivers that are under contract for the Lions in 2021 right now are Quintess Cephas and Geronimo Allison. So Kenny Galladay, a pending free agent, he, you know, could be franchise tag, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to want to do that as they head into like a multi-year rebuild. If anything, it could be a tag and trade type of situation. So Kenny Galladay, uh, I'm kind of just moving forward with the assumption that he's not there. Outside of that, I think the two that we really just need to talk about are TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. With Jared Goff in town and looking back from where it was a week ago with Matthew Stafford as the quarterback, are we thinking more of them? Are we thinking less? Where are we at with DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson? Yeah, I still really like TJ Hawkinson. I think he will be Jared Goff's number one target. I think he's going to be a focal point of that. New head coach Dan Campbell is a former tight end himself. So I have a feeling, a strong suspicion that they will pretend, and they may be in the market for a wide receiver in the draft, especially if Galladay doesn't come back. But I still think this is good for TJ Hawkinson. Jared Goff will throw the ball and somebody has to catch the ball. So why not get one of your best players on your team involved? So I think TJ Hawkinson, this is fine for him. And then when you're talking about DeAndre Swift, you know, I, I, I don't have Jared Goff's stats in front of me about, you know, his distribution to running backs. But DeAndre Swift, we know he's talented between the tackles. The Lions have a solid offensive line. Uh, so I think DeAndre Swift is is OK as well. I, I, I think he's going to see the volume. And that's most important when you're talking about the running backs. Quintez Cephas, ugh, look, man, probably just somebody that I just, uh, I, 
I mean, speculative ad, right? You're talking about that with Van Jefferson. I don't think Cephas is going to become anything. So I still think Hawkinson is fine, and I'm still fine with DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I was a little bit more excited, uh, if that's the word I want to use, on Quintez Cephas when I knew that Matthew Stafford was going to be the quarterback. Now with Jared Goff, with Cephas, I'm a little bit like, yeah, like you said, speculative ad. He's fine to roster if you've got a deeper league. But outside of that, not really super, super excited to roster Quintus Cephas or his, you know, for his outlook heading into 2021. Okay, man. Uh, let's talk about dynasty. Let's break it yes. down. Let's just say <laughs> at its core, yes. what is dynasty? So I'm just going to throw you this question at its core. What makes dynasty different than your typical work leagues that you do every single year? I mean, it's the strategy. It's the different sort of ways you can go about each league mate, no matter if you're in a 10 team league, 12 team league, 14, 16, it's the strategy that each individual dynasty manager takes in their approach to building your team. And that is what dynasty is about. It is truly about building a team that can win in the short term, but also sustain you know, that, that playoff viability for the long term. And that's where the strategy comes in. Everything is important in Dynasty. Your, your starting 10, it's important. Your depth is important. Your taxi squad players, your developmental guys, your draft capital assets, your draft picks, all of that stuff is important. And unlike our traditional work leagues, Dynasty is 24-7, 365, baby. I mean, this is, there are people who are locked in every single day, tweaking their team, making moves, trading fab budget. I mean, it's, if you love fantasy, if you love seasonal leagues, and you're a lover of fantasy football, lover of NFL, college, the managerial side of things, if you think you can be a GM, then Dynasty is where it's at because it gives you an opportunity to to do that with this proxy of a game that we play. And I'm just telling you that the different strategies that you can deploy across multiple Dynasty leagues, no two Dynasty leagues are the same and no strategies are the same. It's just, it's an incredible format to play, Kyle. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it really is, I think, the closest that we can get in fan within the structure of fantasy football to being a, a GM of a team, right? And that is something that I, I, for so many people that are listening, I'm sure you're kind of the same way. Like you get Madden and you're playing like franchise mode, right? Like that's the reason why I get Madden is to play <laughs> franchise mode. So that way I can be the GM, right? And I can do the draft and I, and I might sim the season for goodness sake, right? Just so I can get to the off season and sign free agents and me and do the draft and all that. And that's what kind of dynasty is. So I did want to go a little bit more basic because I'm I'm we get questions all the time and and just kind of like I heard about Dynasty what is it and so I wanted to really just break it down to its core right and that is a lot of what you said the the strategy and this is why we play it but it's larger rosters your typical redraft leagues are going to have 12 14 15 16 right your draft in 16 rounds or whatever that's typically the size of your typical redraft league. Dynasty rosters are typically 25 to 30. Uh, you can, of course, vary that, and you're going to see that throughout other leagues, but that's the typical. The average is about 25 to even 30 player rosters, right? You keep the same players year in and year out. So rather than redrafting, right? See where that name comes from? Rather than redrafting <laughs> every single year, you have those same players. So you do a startup draft where you have 30 rounds, 
or however many players you have, whatever, that's how many rounds you have. And then from there, you're drafting your entire team that you're going to have for years to come. Now, then each year you have a rookie draft. You're assigned rookie picks. Those are based on your finishing, uh, your finishing spot in the in the league that you had last year. So if I finished last in in my league, I would have the 101, right? That you're going to hear that phrase tossed out a lot here, right? The 101, the 102, the 103. That would just be that you finished last or second to last or third. And of course, just like the NFL draft, that's the reverse order for the picks. So the players that are coming in from college football, you have the number one overall spot to be able to select the best available option there to rebuild your roster, just like the NFL draft. So you'll cut players uh, for your keeping the same players year in and year out. You'll cut them based upon how many draft picks you have, you know, and stuff like that. But that's the premise. That's at its core what Dynasty is, that you're keeping the same players year in and year out. You have larger rosters and you have a rookie draft. Anything else on top of that, Ray, before we move on? No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. It is the larger roster size. It is the importance of those rookie picks. It is the strategy that I sort of talked about. But that is it's the closest thing to being a GM that we'll probably get to is participating in a dynasty fantasy football league. And we all like to sit back and think that we can do that. We can GM. So if you really wanted to go out there and make the same type of trade that the Lions and the Rams did, shipping off a quarterback for multiple picks or you can do that in dynasty those are the type of things that happened and you know it's very much just like the rams are in win now mode there are some dynasty managers who are in win now mode and that's the beauty of dynasty but you hit the nail on the head man yeah for sure okay so additional questions that i get on twitter and i'm sure you get the same ray are like what kind of settings do you prefer right if i'm the commissioner of my league i want to set out i've got a group of buddies from college or what you know work or whatever we want to do a dynasty league what settings should we roll with so i get an off a frequent question of what's the best platform to use so i'm going to throw out three options here for you one is my fantasy league it is a if you want a ton a ton of customization options. My fantasy league is the one that you, the platform that I recommend, because if you're going to build a very specific platform, uh, you know, dynasty league or whatever, this is the platform that you need to be using because the customization options are endless. So, however, if you're just looking for a pretty basic dynasty league and stuff like that, my fantasy league is going to be a little bit sometimes too overwhelming to be able to kind of customize and stuff like that. So the other two options that I typically point people to are sleeper and Flea Flicker. Those are the two other platforms that I recommend for housing dynasty leagues on. So my fantasy league, Sleeper, and Flea Flicker. As far as the format that I recommend is typically half PPR. You just lean into that. Ray, I don't know if you have a specific preference as far as like uh, PPR or standard. You typically go with half PPR? Listen, this isn't 1980. No standard leagues. If you're doing <laughs> standard dynasty leagues, just you might as well just track your stat scoring with pen and paper. <laughs> no, we don't do standard. It's half point PPR or PPR is my preferred scoring format. I love that. And again, that is for half point per reception. Uh, additionally, yes. the kind of the way that we're seeing the game of fantasy football trending is towards super flex. So if you, again, I want, we have a wide range of audience right here. So I want to at least break this down, at least here in the first episode, super flex is the ability to have two quarterbacks in your starting roster. So you have your quarterback slot and then you have a super flex spot, which you're able to do either a quarterback wide receiver, running back or tight end. Okay. Right. So at that point, you're typically starting two quarterbacks because quarterbacks are kind of the safer options to get the most points. So Superflex right. is the ability to start two quarterbacks. 
two quarterback leagues or you are locked into starting two quarterbacks. Okay. So yeah. super flex is typically what I recommend because it's a ton of fun. If you have not done a super flex league, it really places a high value on the quarterback position, but there's nothing wrong with a one quarterback league whatsoever. I'm in plenty of those. They're great. I just personally prefer the super flex. It's typically what I recommend. Uh, fab bidding, which stands for free agent acquisition budget bidding. So that's your waiver wires. Again, when you have larger rosters, your waivers are typically not that active, right? You have the, the, uh, who's a player that's st- Jalen Guyton this past year out of Los Angeles chargers. Like no one knew who Jalen Guyton was. Right. And so he was barely rostered in leagues, even in deep dynasty leagues, but he came out and he, you know, was fantasy viable towards the end of the season. That would be someone, an example of someone that he's sitting on your waiver wire. You want to go out and you want to spend fab on him to get him. That's typically what you do rather than a waiver wire priority. As far as the last place team in the league, you know, fab bidding gives you a hundred dollars or whatever to spend throughout the season. You get to determine when and where and how you spend that. Uh, anything that you want to add there on those two sections there, Ray, again, this, we, we haven't talked about this. These are not extensive notes. So I'm just wanting right. to kind of bounce this off of each other and just say like anything to add here with either Superflex or fab or anything like that. I would just say that for those of you who are maybe a little reluctant to converting over to a Superflex league, you got to try it. I, I, it does Superflex and two QB are, are different, right? Two QB, you must, as Kyle said, you must start two quarterbacks. Superflex, you have the option to start two quarterbacks. But you know what? If you want to roll out an additional running back in an extra flex spot, that's your prerogative. I just, I, I highly encourage everybody to try at least one super flex league because it makes the Jared Goffs of the world. It makes the, the Mitchell Trubisky's of the world valuable, especially when you're later in the season and you need to roll out a, 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 a player who can get you 25, 30 points. So please, please try super flex. I play in a ton of one QB leagues as well. And the fab bidding to me, that just, that is what sort of, you know, a, another one of those wrinkles that makes dynasty so important because that money is important. That's a hundred bucks that you get for the season or a thousand dollars or whatever the limit is. And as Kyle alluded to, you know, normally the, the waiver wire isn't super deep, but for those of you who pay attention and you're, you're, you're diving into those college prospects, you can sneak a Philip Lindsay off of the waiver wire early in the summer. You can grab right. a James. I got James Robinson, James Robinson. off of the waiver, right. waiver wire. So, and that's another part of dynasty, man. It's, it's those Jalen <laughs> Guytons, the James Robinsons, and you find those off those deep waiver wires. So, man, it's just, you got to try it. You have to try it. So we, I'm going to take a quick deviation. Uh, We are recording this Saturday night, and news just broke. Uh, Again, it could be different. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Source is telling me Bears' deal for Wentz is close. Foles is speculated to be included with another offensive player and a first-rounder. So here we go. We will we'll oh. be back to talk about that when we when we actually have a deal okay. in place. But we got breaking news. I wondered, dude. I wondered when we sat down to record. I wondered if we were going to get news on Carson mm. Wentz and the Chicago Bears. My Chicago Bears. This is great. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, so we talked about the super flex, the fab bidding, uh, deeper starting rosters is something that I did want to mention too. So in a typical redraft league, you're sitting there and you've got two running backs, two wide receivers, a quarterback, a tight end you might have another flex spot and then you might have your kicker or defense or whatever. So the, in typical dynasty leagues, what you're going to see is three running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and maybe even one to two flex spots. 
I'm in a league. Actually, I think all of my dynasty leagues at this point have completely eliminated kicker and defense. And that's just fantastic. I'm so happy that I don't have to even worry about (laughs) kickers or defenses. So I, again, when you have your 25, you know, player benches or player rosters or whatever to have the deeper starting rosters is it does allow you to be able to roll those guys in, get some more points on the board and at least be able to utilize a lot of your roster. It would be a little bit disappointing or a little bit more difficult to figure out which players you're going to start when you have 25 players to choose from and you can only start seven of them, you know, that kind of thing. So typically deeper starting rosters. Again, I mentioned the 25 players, Ray, you alluded to the taxi squad. Do you want to break down what a taxi squad is for people who wouldn't know what that is? Yeah. So a taxi squad is sort of after you fulfill your requirements for your, for your active roster, it's almost just like, and I, I want to relate this to real NFL terms because that's sort of what dynasty is. It's your practice squad of your dynasty roster, right? So these are players on your taxi squad that, you know, you pick up late and they're, they're developmental guys. They're probably not going to do anything for you this season, but the settings allow you to hold, you know, five, six, seven of those guys on your taxi squad. And once they're designated for taxi, some leagues, you can't move them for an entire year. Some of them, if you move them up and you, you call them in quotes up to the active roster, you can't put them back down, but essentially uh, you can keep those developmental guys as stashes and hopefully they pan out. So if there was a guy, uh, there, there was a player for the Vikings a couple of years ago, Brandon Zell, Zell I can't even pronounce his last name, Zelstra, Zelstra, something like that. Yep. But mm-hmm. yep. yeah, I thought he was going to be a player. So I put him on my taxi squad, held him for a couple of years, didn't pan out. But you know what? It was it was worth the taxi squad. But it they these players do not count towards your active roster limit. You just get to hold them there and hopefully they develop. Hopefully they turn into something. And if they do, then you elevate them to your active roster. You have to drop one off if you're filled, but then you've got another free spot to add rookies and taxi squad is normally for only rookies. So, you know, you get your four round rookie draft, you add a taxi squad practice player rookie to your taxi squad, let them sit there, let them chill there for a year or two, and hopefully they turn into something. So if you've got that scout's eye and you want to take the small school guy out of William and Mary because you truly believe that he can become a player, throw him on your taxi and hopefully he develops in the next couple of years. Yeah, and I will say that I play in a few leagues that have taxi squads. I play in a few dynasty leagues that don't have taxi squads. There's not a you know requirement that you have to have that if you are sitting out or setting out and you want to you know commission your league and you want to set this up. You, you do not have to have a taxi squad. It's nice. It's nice to have it there, but you do not have to have one. Uh, but Ray did a great job at at least breaking down what that purpose is meant for. Yeah, it's more so for the deeper dynasty leagues, the guys who are taking it a little bit more seriously. So. I did want to talk about this too, Ray, how to value the rookie picks, right? Because that's a one of the biggest parts of Dynasty is the rookie picks and how do we even value them? How do we even go about thinking about them and stuff like that? When we set out, uh, when I set out to do my first ever Dynasty League back in, I think, 2016 or 2017 or whatever it was, I completely overvalued rookie picks. <laughs> I, I think that was the year... It was either Saquon coming out or it was uh, someone else above that. And I just like completely was like, all right, I'll give you DeAndre Hopkins and I will give you Michael (laughs) Thomas. And I will say, you know, and I was like, I was all in on getting that number one overall pick. And looking back now, I'm like, that was a terrible trade. And as far as like value and what I gave up, 
because I f became enamored with the rookie picks and the unknowns and the potential and all this stuff. So let's at least talk about this, have a conversation of how do we value rookie picks? Do you have any insight here that you want to provide? Uh, I, since this is the first show, Kyle, I'm going to just get this out of the way. I'm going to get this out of the way now because you all, are gonna he you all are going to hear this from me so many times, but I, I, I'm sorry, this is just dynasty. It depends, Kyle. It truly depends. So while you say you may have overvalued those rookie picks then, you know, this year it might be a pretty good time to va overvalue those rookie picks. I mean, it truly depends year to year. My advice that I can give uh, dynasty managers is whatever you're hoping to accomplish in that given year, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to look your team in the mirror and say, this team is a contender. And if your team is a contender, then you do deals like the Rams did and you go get players to help you win that upcoming year. But if you look yourself in the mirror and you look at your roster up and down, taxi squad to the tip top of that roster, and it ain't going to compete, you're probably not going to be in the playoffs, then it's probably a prudent move to overvalue those rookie picks. It truly depends on where your team is in comparison to the rest of your league and sort of your philosophy for building that that current, that dynasty team. It truly, truly depends, and y'all are going to hear that from me a lot. It depends. I think it's completely fair. And I, it's one of the things that I really lean into when people ask me about trade values and stuff like that, who I have this player, I have this pick, who would you trade them for? It's like, I dude, I don't, I don't know. And, and we're going to talk yeah. about that. We got a question in the listener mailbag about that. So I don't want to go into that too much, but I did want to at least just mention here. And it also ties into the startup draft too, as far as overvaluing the rookies, right? Overvaluing youth. Youth is important. But yet, I think it's something that it's really important to keep in mind where I mentioned it earlier. Play within a window of two to three years. One of the mistakes that I made when I first set out and played Dynasty was saying that, all right, I've got this player who is turning 21 or 22 when they enter their rookie season in the NFL, and I'm going to have them on this Dynasty roster for the next 10 to 15 years. No, you're not. Uh, you are going to eventually <laughs> trade that player away or your league is going to end or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like there are so many different factors that are going, the percentage chance that you have that specific player on your roster for 10 to 15 years, things change so much in the NFL. You're seeing it this off season where you're seeing Carson Wentz, you're seeing, you know, Deshaun Watson trade rumors, you're seeing, uh, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers retired, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff. Like there's so many dominoes and things that change in the NFL that drastically impact these players and their value, their worth. So when I went into my first startup draft, I really overvalued the youth and I left value on the board as far as some players that could help me win a fantasy championship right away. And I went for the younger players. So that's something that I did at least want to mention here is right as the, the valuing rookie picks and rookies in general, keep it all in mind. And it depends on the strength of the class, which is what Ray mentioned. Yeah. So again, we'll talk yeah. about that. And we've got a couple of questions here within the listener mailbag that we'll get to. So other tips here that I did want to at least just mention, I, again, I said the play within a window of two to three years, that's typically the way that you need to be thinking about dynasty football, fantasy football. It's not this 10 year window or whatever. No, your window is two to three years. You're making your decisions within that range because again, so much changes within that time frame. So uh, and then additionally, the other thing that I wanted to mention is know your league. If you're setting out your first year, obviously this is going to take some time to figure out, but 
If you've been with your league for a year, you know the guys who overvalue rookie picks. You know yep. the player, the person in your league who is the easiest to trade with, the one who has you know itchy trade fingers, right? The, the one who just wants to trade yep. for the sake of trading. Those are the guys. Knowing your league is crucial to maximizing value and being able to capitalize on that. So that's something that I did want to mention too. And of course, if you play Dynasty with your that group of friends or whatever for any length of time, you know that. You know that you know your yep. league and who you can identify and not take advantage of, but at least have those conversations with. So anything else before we move into the listener mailbag here, Ray, as far as other tips or tricks here for Dynasty, maybe even specifically for people who are setting out to do their first ever Dynasty League? Yeah, I think you kind of touched on something that I also think is very, very important. And it's when you're establishing that league, make sure your league mates kind of know what they're getting themselves into, right? Because the worst thing, and we, we talked about all the great reasons why you must participate in a dynasty league, but one of the things that's like the biggest buzzkill for any dynasty league is inactivity. And a lot of that inactivity is caused because your friends that you invited to the league don't truly understand what it is or how it really operates. So make sure that when you're choosing your league mates, they understand that, hey, this is sort of a it's not just an August through December league. Like we we do a lot of things throughout the entire year because a good group of guys, a good group of people, guys, women, doesn't matter, good, good league. Right. That's what makes Dynasty go around, right? You want to have as many people engaged throughout the year as possible. And if you don't notify your league mates or give them all the necessary information of how a Dynasty league works, I promise you they will treat it like a redraft league and you will not have fun and you'll be looking for new dynasty managers every single year. And it's just it's a buzzkill for the entire league. So please, 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 when you're when you're sending out those invitations to friends, to family, make sure they understand that this is this is quite a bit different than your traditional seasonal leagues. I completely agree. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you mentioning that. OK, let's move into listener mailbag. Uh, to be honest, we had. <laughs> Over 100 <laughs> questions come in on my listener mailbag tweet, which I did not expect. So one that just says like how many people are going to be listening to this and the support is overwhelming. We've talked about that. Like we just greatly appreciate that. However, we are not going to get to all 100 questions. So <laughs> I went through and we're going to get to as many as we can. Uh, Ray and I both have families, so we cannot be here for a three hour podcast, unfortunately, <laughs> as much as we would love to. So we're going to get to as many as we can and we'll just try to fly through them. So uh, Kane Rob is the first question here. Tell us why we shouldn't be worried with Devonte Smith or should, but I know Ray loves him is what he includes here. I'm not too concerned, but I know the analytics side is. So I would love to hear in-depth film side of why success is likely or not. So let's just double back to his original question there. Tell us why we shouldn't be worried with Devonte Smith. Ray, go. The first show, and you're already hitting me with one of the most controversial players in this class. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. I've I've actually muted the last name Smith on Twitter, uh, so I didn't even see this question. But I'll just say this, and I'll keep it brief. I'll keep it brief. He has dominated SEC competition for the past two seasons. He had over 1,200 receiving yards on a team that consisted of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris. 
He comes out this season, shows that he can dominate as the sole focal point of the Alabama offense while breaking every SEC record that the Afor uh, mentioned SEC player of the year, uh, wide receiver of the year, Jamar Chase, set in 2019. Despite his slender frame, he's an excellent route runner. He creates fantastic separation off of the line of scrimmage. He's got deceptive home run ability, and he has never been injured except for the final game of the season in his collegiate career, and that was a thumb injury. I'm not concerned about it. Dominated SEC competition the past two years. Was able to be the guy facing double, triple team coverage. Excellent releases. He's going to get the draft capital. Don't be weary of Devontae Smith can absolutely fly around the field too, has incredible speed. I, to play devil's advocate here, the argument against Devontae Smith is that he is 165, 170 pounds. We don't know exactly what his weight is, but it is a slender frame. Now, to compensate for that, and this is ridiculous, Devontae Smith's wingspan is yeah. at, at what is he, 6'1"? I think he's 6'1". Yeah. 175 yeah. or 170 pounds or whatever. His wingspan is larger or longer, however we want to classify that, than Antonio Gandy Golden, who came out of Liberty last year, who was 6'4, and it is equivalent to Colin Johnson's, who is 6'6 and the wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Ridiculous. Devontae Smith, <laughs> even though it's absurd. So even though Devontae Smith is 6'1, 170 pounds, his wingspan allows him to go up and be able to catch these contested catches that you're just like, how, how in the world is he getting this with his frame or whatever? It's because he has a ridiculous wingspan. He's able to go up and high point the ball. So really well-rounded player. That's the argument against Devonte Smith, but I completely agree with Ray. It's just going to be a matter of how the NFL values him as far as where he goes in the NFL draft. But for our purposes in fantasy football, Devonte Smith, really good. Draft him within the top five picks. Uh, D. Ritos, I play in a 16-team dynasty where you only start one quarterback. So waivers are very thin at the position. Would you look at this almost like a super flex in terms of quarterback value? And would that change how I should draft? I'll throw this to you and then I'll answer. Yeah, 16-team leagues are a beast. Uh, quarterbacks are very, very scarce. And this is the one exception. 16-team one quarterback leagues and goodness gracious, especially super flex or two QB leagues, you know, there, there needs to be a premium on the quarterback. So, you know, to, to answer your question, yes, I would look at it in terms of super flex and, but it depends on what quarterbacks you currently have on your team. Right. And luckily for you, this 2021 class, there are quite a few quarterbacks that could end up being NFL starters, so there should be a nice little bit of influx of quarterback talent. But 16-team dynasty leagues are rough. I've only been in two, and those two I tried to play the whole late-round quarterback game, and that was an epic <laughs> fail. So please, please get your quarterbacks in 16-team leagues. I'm so happy that you like were like, yes, because that's like literally what I have written down was like, yes-ish, right? Because it's not the same as a super flex, but yet 16 teams is ridiculous that you have to have the depth there, right? So I don't think it's necessarily as far as like you need to have two solid, solid options like it is in a super flex, but it's more so just having the depth. And so, yeah, I do think that at least looking to have three to four quarterbacks on your roster, especially in a 16-team league, that are starters, right? That that, But not necessarily having two top 10 guys, if that makes sense. Right, so, right. Yeah, Anthony Hadar asks, considering potential lack of combine and normal draft prep this year in the 2021 offseason, would you invest more in 2022's rookie draft, or is the talent in this class worth it? I'll answer this one first. So I think... 
I'm fine in investing in this rookie draft. I'm not going to sell all of my 2021 rookie draft picks, you know, just because of the fact that there is no combine. We're going to see the structure here in case those who are not aware. The structure is there's no specific combine as far as the on-field testing or drills or anything like that. They're all going to be at their pro days. Pro days are notorious for having inflated numbers. So as far as the 40-yard dashes and three cones and all this stuff. So it's going to be a little bit weird, but yet also last year was really weird. And we saw Justin Jefferson, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Jacob Dunn. We saw all these guys step in and produce almost immediately. So I'm not super scared off of the 2021 rookie class. It's not as deep of a class, especially at running back. So as far as the later picks, I might be more willing. If you have someone who's like, I got to have a 2021 third round pick. I don't know why they would be doing that, but I got to have that pick. Then I'm fine selling that off if I can get value on it. But as far as the top of the class, I'm still fine investing. What do you think? Yeah. And and I just want to say this. The fact that there's no combine really should not impact how we view this class, right? If there were no combine in 2020, Jonathan Taylor was still going to be good. DeAndre Swift was still going to be a beast. We knew CeeDee Lamb was good. We knew Justin Jefferson was good. The combine, while very entertaining, and it helps us paint a more complete picture with some of these prospect profiles because we do get official speed numbers and we get official heights and weight and all of that other good stuff. Ultimately, it's just it's it's one small piece of the of the puzzle that I think a lot of times we overvalue what happens at the underwear Olympics. So the fact that there's not going to be a combine in the traditional sense, don't be scared off by these 2021 guys. You don't need a combine for anybody to tell you that Jamar Chase is good, that Najee Harris is good, that Travis Etienne is good, that Trevor Lawrence is good. Don't worry about that. Now, as far as the 2022 class, as Kyle said, this class is it's really, really good at the top, and then it falls off a cliff really, really fast in 2021. So if you're in a league with people who are crazy, we talked about the overvaluation of those picks, who are crazy about those picks, and you're sitting in round three, and trust me, I know it sounds crazy. It happens every single year. Kyle, you've seen it. I'll give you a 2022 first for your for your third rounder. Yep. I just I have to take uh, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. I'm right, telling you right, right now. Press accept. Yes, send it to me. The 2022 class, I've said a lot of bad things about it in the past. It's shaping up to be a heck of a lot better than I thought it was going into the season. If anyone offers you a first-round pick for a third-round 2021 uh, draft selection, yes, press accept and have a good night. (laughs) Have a good night. I love that. Uh, All right, Uh, Papa Dean, who is the number four running back in the 2021 class? Assuming, and they put in parentheses here, assuming that Harris, Etienne, and Javante Williams are the top three. So again, we've got people who are tuning in, and they this might be the first Dynasty podcast that they listen to the entire season. So uh, the Harris is Najee Harris, running back out of Alabama, 6'3", 230 pounds, just an absolute beast. RB1, lock it in. Uh, Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson, really, really talented speedster, uh, improved his pass catching ability a lot this past season. He's a solid player. I don't think that he's on the same level as Najee Harris, but yeah, I still really like him. And then Javante Williams out of North Carolina, uh, just a bowling ball of a prospect. I really, really like his game again, not at the same level of Najee Harris, but that is typically what you're going to see. And that's actually my personal rankings too, as far as Najee Harris, Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. So 
Who is the number four running back in the 2021 class? Ray, who do you got sitting there at the number four spot? Well, Kyle, I was going to ask you, who do you have, man? Who do you have at number four? Who Who's your guy? Yeah, your so guy? I've got the two guys that are in, or at least in that conversation. And I really, I, again, you talked about it. It falls off a cliff. So I don't know if anyone else that I haven't scouted yet is going to jump into that. But right now the conversation is Kenneth Gainwell, who I do have sitting mm -hmm. there at number four Memphis running back who for me, I comp to JD McKissick, J mm. JD McKissick, mm. uh, as far as his receiving ability, his ability to be a receiving weapon out of the backfield. That is where J um, I almost called him JD, McKissick, where Kenneth Gainwell <laughs> is going to shine. Some of the best hands that I've seen out of a running back out of the backfield. And it, it's crazy what Memphis continues to produce at the running back position. Yeah. Gainwell sat out this 2020 season because of COVID concerns. So it's been a while since we've seen him on the field, but he is somewhat slighter frame. I think he's just over 200 pounds, uh, might even actually be under it. I can't remember off the top of my head. So, but he's going to specialize as a pass catching back. If you're in a full PPR format, he might be that guy that uh, breaks that. But for yeah. me, he's number four. And then the other one is Michael Carter, Javante Williams teammate at North Carolina. Carter is someone who at, for me, comp to, I think, uh, Ben Solak of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast compared to Naheem Hines, and I really like that comp mm. for Michael Carter. Someone who, again, excellent pass catcher out of the backfield, smooth feet, excellent footwork, uh, excellent vision between the tackles, excellent burst. Like, this is just, he's a really, really solid running back. He's not going to be a guy who totes the ball 20 times a game. It's just not his, what his body weight or body structure is able to support just over 200 pounds as well. So more so of that change of pace, you get him the ball in space, you let him create, but has the potential to be very, very solid for fantasy football. So that's, those are my top five. It's Harris, ETN, Javante Williams, Kenneth Gainwell, and then Michael Carter right behind him. Yeah. I, I love Kenneth Gainwell. He's, he's, he's the answer to the question for me as well. He's RB4. Uh, I'd love the J.D. McKissick call. I've said a better version of James White of the New England Patriots. And yeah. all I'll say for those of you who are kind of like, because he only played one season, he's declaring after his redshirt sophomore season, and I'm using air quotes because he didn't play, but we all love Antonio Gibson. You know, there are people who say Antonio Gibson is a top 10, top 12 dynasty running back. Kenneth Gainwell is the reason why Antonio Gibson only had 33 right. carries in 2019. Right. I mean, over 600 receiving yards, over 1,200 rushing yards as a red shirt freshman. And I believe he's going to be drafted at 20 years old. So he's sort of the anti Najee Harris. I know a lot of people knock Najee because he's older. I don't really care. But Kenneth Gainwell, yeah. the, the best pass catching running back by far in this class. He should be an immediate threat to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. And I think he's just a hit. Well, the last he played, he was a hair under 200. It wouldn't surprise me if he checked in at, you know, 202, 203 sure. at Memphis's pro day. He's, he's a phenomenal back, man. He's, he's not going to be a bell cow type guy, but you don't need that. Austin Eckler's not a bell cow and he's been in top, whatever RB for the past right. how many years. Gainwell's phenomenal. Yeah, Gainwell's receiving grade in my like grading system and how I scout, it's the highest of this class, and it's the highest that I've yeah. ever given out to a running back. So, Luigi, I think is how you pronounce their name on Twitter. Who are some wide receivers who didn't exactly show out as rookies that you expect to break out in year two? I've got a few names if you're if you're if you want to hear them first. Yeah, go ahead, drop them, Bam. Okay, all right. So I've got Henry Ruggs. Uh, Henry Ruggs was my number two wide receiver in this last class. Now, this is comes with like an asterisk because 
It still depends on John Gruden figuring out how to best utilize Henry Ruggs rather than as a field stretcher, actually giving him the ball underneath and letting him create after the catch, which is what he specializes in. So I'm not completely giving up on Henry Ruggs. There are so many people who are like, I wasted a first round pick on Ruggs. Those are the people that I'm targeting in dynasty leagues. And I'm saying, I'll take Henry Ruggs off your hands. Uh, Additionally, his teammate, Brian Edwards, Brian Edwards was barely on the field this past year for Las Vegas, but his talent, his ability, I think his role as that possession style receiver, incredible hands, incredible contested catchability. Again, another guy that I'm not willing to move off of just yet. I've got a few other names, but I want to toss it to you. Yeah, man. So I've got uh, I've got one and I pounded the table for this guy. Uh, last year, but I think Jalen Rager. I mean, if you go back to the first game of the season, he catched that 55-yard bomb from Carson Wentz, and it looked like it was going to be wheels up, and then the wheels completely fell off the Philadelphia Eagles tracks. Like, the whole team just imploded, right? But I think Jalen Rager is a player that I'm not bailing on after one season. And listen, I think we talked about this guy, uh, Kyle, when I came on the show last time, but it's looking like the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence at the at the 101 in the NFL draft, number one pick in the draft. I Listen, Colin Johnson is somebody that I'm still in Dynasty. I want Colin Johnson. I want that six foot six monster who showed some promise this season. And we're going to have Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. Colin Johnson, Jalen Rager are, are two guys that I think uh, that I expect a decent little breakout as well as somebody from your uh, hometown, Chicago Bears. And we definitely got to see it, I think, that last game. But Darnell Mooney is somebody I'm still oh, really yeah. high on as well. I like Mooney a lot. Yeah, for sure. The the few other names that I'll mention here, Devin DuVernay, uh, he was out of Texas, now with the Baltimore Ravens. I do expect that we're going to see Willie Sneed move on from this team, which creates a role for DuVernay in the slot. Uh, again, it depends on what they do at the wide receiver position. It's a low passing volume offense, but DuVernay doesn't need a lot to be able to create. So if you're in a deeper dynasty league, DuVernay is someone that I'm excited about. The other one that I'll mention, Denzel Mims, wide receiver for the New York Jets. Whether they are going with Sam Darnold next year or if they end up taking a Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, one of those guys at number two overall, I think that Mims is heading into, Mims was someone who was raw coming out, right? Like he needed that year. And we saw the flashes from him last season when he was healthy and on the field. So I think Mims heading into next year, he's going to see a quarterback upgrade or the situation around him improve or the fact that he's going to have a full season under his belt. So Mims is someone, too, that I think you can acquire pretty cheap. Uh, Neil Mitchell asked, is Julio a buy or a sell? Is the name value still too high to make him a buy or is he a wide receiver one fantasy option for 2021 if you're in the win window? Man, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Julio Jones. I legitimately don't because for me, I'll answer this quickly. Like for me, it doesn't come down to Julio, the talent or Julio and his ability at this point of his career. It's not like I think Julio, as far as his production is going to have an AJ green dip, right? Where it's just going to fall off the cliff and Julio can't catch like the monsters and space jam took his talent or whatever. Like I think that Julio is still going to produce, but it is when he's on the field, it's the injury concerns for me. How at this point of his career with how many injuries Julio has played through, has battled, is he now at the point of his career where we're not going to get a 16 game season out of Julio? What do you think? And this is dynasty for you. You know, we can go ahead and wish Julio Jones a happy birthday. His birthday is Monday. He turns 32 years old on Monday. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. February 8th is his birthday. Um, at 32 years old, a player who it just seems like every single week, you're just... 
every time he gets hit, you're just hoping he gets up or he doesn't limp off to the sideline. We know the talent is there. If Julio's on the field, Julio is going to be a beast. But uh, for me personally, he is, if I can sell him for, I mean, what are you what are you accepting for him right now? A high second round pick, a late first round pick? I highly doubt anybody's giving you a first for him. So it's one of those things where he, the, the name value may yield you some decent return, but it may not look like what you think a name like Julio Jones should get you. Therefore, he may just be a hold, right? You don't want to sell him low. Um, and I'm telling you this, I'm not buying high on Julio Jones. I th- right. Listen, this is dynasty. And in my philosophy, this is just how Ray G dynasties, I would rather be a year early on moving a player than a year too late. And that's just yep. my personal philosophy. So for me, Julio is a sell and I would be I'd be comfortable if he goes out there and produces a wide receiver one season in 2021 if he does that then I'm fine with that but if I can move him for a late first or a second he's gone I think I'm in that same boat where especially for a first where we get to that early second is going to be something that I like really start to think about and I have to evaluate where my team's at as far as like am I really in a win now window but if I can get someone to pay me a top five pick at this point then julio's off my team like and yeah. i'm fine like you said i'm fine if he produces a wide receiver one t- uh you know season next year because again the wide receiver that i'd be able to get at that spot we're looking at jalen waddle jamar chase Devonte smith any of those three i think are going to be available for you at number five overall stuff yep. like that so uh john Sinan asks how much value does aj dylan hold if aaron jones doesn't return Oof. so Oof. aj Oof. dylan evaluation i don't know i actually don't remember where you had aj dylan or your thoughts and kind of where you <laughs> what your opinion was on aj dylan coming out i'm just going to be honest i wasn't a fan i did not have aj nope. dylan ranked very highly but <laughs> moving into this next season as far as if aaron jones does truly move on we're talking about the starting running back for a ross or for an aaron Rodgers led offense you know so it's like at that point aj dylan i don't care what he does if he's getting 15 touches per week he's in aaron Rodgers' offense like yeah, dude, sign me up. So I guess with Aaron Jones, I really don't expect him to be back. I don't think that Green Bay has the cap room to at least be able to try to make that work. That could change as we get to uh, closer to free agency, but I do expect Aaron Jones to be gone. So at that point, I'm projecting A.J. Dillon to be the starting running back. You drafted him in the second round for who knows what reason. You got to move forward with A.J. Dillon. So I think he's probably going to land for me as a high end, like running back three, like maybe a RB 26, 27, 28, as far as my dynasty rankings, I think he'll be solid. But yet at the same time, I'm not going to go super crazy over AJ Dillon. Yeah, I don't have him too far off from you. I, I've got him right at about dynasty RB 24, 23. And the reason why I have him a few ticks ahead of you is I feel like Matt LaFleur is going to show you everybody or at least try to justify that second round NFL draft pick right. on AJ Dillon. I didn't have him very high at all coming out. I wasn't a big fan of him. He is a size speed monster. And if Aaron Jones is gone, and I believe he's going to be gone too, he is going to become the starting running back for a Green Bay team who's very, very good offensively. So uh, the question is, is he going to catch enough passes to be relevant in PPR or half point PPR formats? Uh, he's a banger, man. He's he's a big body banger. Uh, I'm still not a, a huge fan of him, but He's a starting running back. He's young in Dynasty, and he has the draft capital. So I think we have to value him uh, appropriately. But I'm with you. I'm not going to go too crazy, but I, I wasn't a huge fan. I think I had him like RB9 or 10 coming out last year. 
Yeah, that was the same range for me. All right, man, let's finish up. I We said 100 questions or whatever. I think we got through <laughs> like seven. But there is one that I did want to end on here, especially in our first ever episode, and that is Alexander Coleman asking, I get Trevor Lawrence is the greatest quarterback prospect, but what are his strengths and what are his weaknesses? So I did want to talk about here, him here because Trevor Lawrence for me, I... I'm going to get destroyed for this, but I do not think that Trevor Lawrence is the greatest quarterback prospect we've seen Uh-oh. since Andrew Luck. I Uh-oh. don't think that that, I know, man, again, I talked, I said, I'm going to get destroyed. Uh, <laughs> so I think in my grading system, Trevor Lawrence graded out actually significantly lower than Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow was the greatest college quarterback prospect that we've seen coming out since Andrew Luck and potentially even ever. You can't argue against his season that he put up his senior season with LSU and the receiving weapons he had. So Trevor Lawrence here, as far as his strengths, incredibly smart prospect, well built, well built between the ears. Like as far as his poise, his resume, what he's done, winning the national championship as a true freshman, like this is just the guy that you want to lead your franchise where you know you're going to get a very, very solid and safe floor. As far as his accuracy in the short areas of the field, he lives and dies on his, you know, his accuracy in the short areas, right? His ability to hit receivers in stride on slants, on out routes, on, you know, pop passes behind the line of scrimmage, everything. Really, really accurate and thrives. The system is a little bit, it's very quarterback friendly. It is a one read system. It's get the ball out quick. You watch it all on his tape and it is balls out within two to three seconds, and he's getting it into his playmaker's hands, particularly Travis Etienne. So get the ball out quick, right? The concerns that I have, one, is a little bit of a long delivery. That's less of a concern now in the NFL's game than it was, you know, back when we had the true statue quarterbacks, right? Where if the pocket, you're truly needing to navigate a very, very small and tight pocket, the long delivery is a little bit more of a concern. Where now the NFL is getting these quarterbacks out on the move, they're throwing on the run, everything like that. That's less of a concern, but it is something that I wanted to mention. As far as the other thing that I'm concerned about, and at least wondering what the root cause is, is his arm strength downfield and his accuracy deep downfield. There, I've watched eight, nine games on uh, Trevor Lawrence. And at this point, there are several instances where I see a college football uh, cornerback being able to make a play on the ball. As far as it is not, he's not leading his receivers in stride deep downfield. It's tending to be underthrown. And so that is a concern of, and the root question is, is that an issue of true arm strength? Because I do think that he has a very, very solid arm. It's not on par with a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but yet at the same time, is it just because he has he's not as familiar with his receivers and how they're going to break out of his out of their routes and stuff like that? So those are the only two things. Again, those are very very nitpicking. Trevor Lawrence is a very very solid prospect. He's a safe prospect. He's still worth taking with the number one overall pick. But yet, I am not willing to say that Trevor Lawrence is the greatest greatest college football prospect coming out that we've ever seen. I'm going to turn it over to you. Tear me apart. No, I'm not going to tear you apart, but you know what? We're going to disagree here. We're going to disagree on the first show. Last question, we're going to disagree because I do think he is the best quarterback prospect that we've seen uh, probably since Peyton Manning. And if you really look at what Peyton Manning did at Tennessee, I'd venture to say that there were quite a few quarterbacks that as prospects had a better looking profile than Peyton Manning. Now, Peyton Manning is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. But I think part of the issue with Trevor Lawrence and this past season, which 
it was it was a weird season for all college football players because of oh, COVID. Sure. And, you know, he did not have his, you know, top playmaker coming back in Justin Ross. He had EJ Williams and Amari Rogers, a five foot nine, two hundred and ten pound wide receiver was his number one target. And despite, you know, the the upside down topsy turvy COVID season that he had. I mean, he still had his best completion percentage of his career, still threw for over 3,100 yards in 10 games, which is insane. His yards per pass attempt increased in 2020. It's, to me, the issue with players like a Trevor Lawrence, it's almost like we get fatigued. He was great from the moment he took over for Kelly Bryant right. in 2018. I mean, he's been, he's been talked about uh, since he's, middle school. Th- th- that's what I mean. So when, when and, I, and part of this is, us right and we'll get to this in later in in later shows but how you can capitalize on news and and perceive value but we have put trevor lawrence on this pedestal from 2017 2018 and uh you just sort of get fatigued like okay another three 3500 yards ho-hum another 3000 yards ho-hum and now you start to find all of the flaws in his game where i believe kyle if he would have said I'm done playing after 2018 and I'll just wait to enter the draft. I think we'd be looking at it like, Oh my God, we couldn't wait till this guy came out. But it's, I I, I hear you with some of the inaccuracies. I completely understand. I do think he gets a little confident in his arm and tries to do a little too much at times. But for me personally, what I do with all of these players, I look on, I look and focus on the things that cannot be coached. There are certain things that he does that I believe can be coached, can be schemed at the next level. And I know that seems like a bad thing to talk about a quarterback scheme or playing within a scheme. All quarter, all players are products of scheme to some degree, right? To yep. some degree, yep. you're a product of a scheme. I'm looking at the innate qualities that he possesses that a Mitchell Trubisky does not possess, that a Jared Goff will never be able to get, no matter how much film they study. And that is is this, that is the IQ, but the, the the head, the brain, the quarterback processing. It is the athleticism. There's nothing sneaky about Trevor Lawrence. He's an he's a crazy athlete. He can run outside oh, of the word, pocket. Yeah. The accuracy, the arm strength. I I, I just believe that. If if he fulfills his potential, if he fulfills that potential, we'll be looking at maybe not Patrick Mahomes, but you're, you're, we're going to be looking at a top two, three player in the NFL, a complete franchise changing quarterback. And, and this is something that I want to say now. Trevor Lawrence is a floor Razor. There's a difference between quarterbacks that just come in and kind of do their thing and somebody that comes in and completely elevates a team. Watch how much better the Jacksonville Jaguars are with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback opposed to a Gardner Minshew, opposed to a to a Nick Foles. He's a floor-raising sure. quarterback. I think he's fantastic, but there are some weaknesses. And you did point those out, and I have no disagreement with those weaknesses. I just think those are things that can be worked on and coached out of him. And his innate qualities that he brings to the table as a quarterback is something that you just don't find every day. And and this is something that I want to say too. Like scouting, in our perspective, scouting is completely subjective, and it it really is. Like as much as you yeah. try to take out bias and you try to take out all these other, it is subjective. It's based on what you like at the position. There are certain traits that I value at the running back position over others, and. Different talent evaluators do the same thing. I'm sure that the you know something that you like at the running back position is not going to be the same thing that I value, right? So scouting is subjective, and there's something that I walked away from watching Trevor Lawrence when I did that I said I was like 
I wonder if I went into it with the mindset of <laughs> let's see if this guy is truly the best college football prospect because that yeah. again we've put him on the pedestal and so I that is on my radar to go back and watch him again with and try to eliminate that bias as much as I can again it's probably always going to be there but yeah at the same time I want to try to eliminate it as much as I can uh, well, Kyle, I, I don't think just, I just want to say I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that right because if that's the pedestal we put him on then that's the lens right, if you went right. into that film session okay I want to see the greatest quarterback prospect I've ever seen and your opinion is probably valid I did not walk away seeing that so I mean I appreciate what you're saying. And yes, go back and check it out again. But I don't think that you going into it with that lens was wrong, man, because that's what you've been sure. told. That's what we've been told. I think that Trevor Lawrence is still worth the number one overall pick. I still think that yeah. he is an incredibly talented and polished prospect coming out. I think he's going to immediately elevate. And you said the floor raiser. I think he's going to immediately elevate the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise if they do end up taking him at number one overall. I still think he's worth the top five pick. Everything like that, I still think he's going to be great. But as far as, is he the greatest college football prospect or quarterback that we've ever seen? No, I don't think so. And I think that there is a closer gap between him and my number two quarterback prospect in this class, which is Trey Lance. That's where I'm going to leave it. We'll double back to that in another episode. That's going to do it for today's <laughs> show. Ray, we did it, man. How'd it feel? Should we keep doing this podcast? I think it deserves one more. I think we could do it one more time. We'll see how <laughs> that one goes. But no, nah, it was it was awesome, man. And I and I'm pretty sure the the listeners are gonna appreciate it, man. This was this was a good time, Kyle. Yeah, for sure. As a reminder, guys, we are aiming for one to two episodes per week. The offseason is going to be a little bit unpredictable. I'm just going to say that right up front. So as far as the scheduling because of vacation time for each of us or kids or work schedules, all that. So but we're going to do our best to make sure that you hear from us frequently. Ray, anything else before we get out of here? No, just stay locked in, man. We're gonna we're gonna keep you we're gonna keep you covered. I promise you that I know there was a lot of 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 questions and you guys have a ton of of rookie question and team building strategy sessions. We are going to hit it all. We love Dynasty. We truly, truly believe this is the greatest fantasy football format. So just continue to vibe with us. Continue to rock with us. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Subscribe to the show. We are here to help you dynasty better. Absolutely. For Ray Garvin, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.